0: left out was Jan's word, God hasn't overlooked you, I hope you, none of you feel overlooked, I hope every single one of you feel like you're drawing, you're coming into the to go out, well done Nicholas, children, Justin, Justin come on, just, no, I'll tell you what, Adam, it wasn't me, it was Eve, actually no, Nick, it was Justin, and Justin, it was Nick, the children, the children, you can go through, Sean is waiting for you, have fun, beautiful, I'm, I'm particularly excited this evening, as tonight, Usi, don't run off yet. Is Eden here? Don't tell me she's not here, bro. Oh, uh, she's on a, you know why, you know why Eden's not here? Because she's on a head girl camp. So just uh, before we clap, before we clap, that's Usi over there. Come here, just so you can see her. She's one of our very own. One of our very own. I'd love to have had Usi on this side. And just pretend Eden's on this side, okay? So just pretend Eden and Usi, head girl, deputy head girl of Marsh Brothers. So wonderful, eh? Bless you guys. We are so exceptionally proud of you and uh, really trust that God uses you and, and allows you and helps you to equip and influence those around you this year. You have an absolute opportunity to do something for the kingdom in that school. We'll see and uh, know that you will, you will carry that job out well. And uh, I'm also particularly excited that tonight is my last preach for four weeks. I'm having four weeks off. We are having our families having four weeks, four Sundays, uh, No, four, we're not gonna be here for four Sundays. And uh, it's probably the longest leave we've had ever. And I uh, really are excited. It's been an amazing, amazing year. Somebody, I've been trying to describe what has this year been, and to me the, it's been a good year, but it's been a productive year. It's been a productive year, and we're looking forward to what God has for us next year. And we are, we're, we're kind of not dialing down into, as we go into Christmas now. We're actually saying, no, 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 what God has for us next is a, is a season of faith, an increase and in a growing season of faith and all that that means. And so we're starting this week with a series on faith. And the heroes of the faith specifically, um, looking at Hebrews chapter 11 and all that that speaks to us about, which is absolutely exciting. But talking about faith journeys, Graham went for his interview this Thursday at the U.S. Consulate and was given the green light. So the Tedah's are on their way, probably towards the end of February. It is going to be exceptionally difficult to say goodbye to them, but nonetheless we are going to say goodbye to them. And we're ex- so excited. Remember, that's not just them planting a church, it's us planting a church in the city of Cincinnati, possibly. And it's good for us to know these things now because they need prayer. There's logistics uh, needed uh, involved, there's all sorts of things. There's people that are waiting on the other side of their step of faith to go into what they have. And we've got to pray. I wanna, we need to be praying for those people. So when we get back from leave, one of us, we're going to dedicate a whole bunch of prayer meetings to praying for that plant and allowing God to show us and prophetically begin to speak to them even now before they leave about what God has for them. Isn't it exciting? Isn't it exciting to partner together, to be together? We can be here playing our part. They can be there playing their part. But somehow in God, we link together by His Spirit in prayer, in power, in presence, and all those sorts of things. Very, very exciting. So... Talking about faith, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're going to be looking at this series of faith. What's what's exciting about this is we have different preachers morning and evening, right through until January, kind of to middle of January at least, around this particular series, people uh, uh, preaching on different things and different aspects, different people in this Hebrews Hall of Fame uh, text. But what I want to do tonight is I'm going to talk about Abel. This morning I spoke about Enoch. And Enoch, there's a very few verses spoken about Enoch. But it talks about Enoch as he walked with God and that pleased God. And so I spoke this morning about a faith. Because you see, faith is not just for that big moment of healing or that big moment of encounter. Faith is the faith to walk with God on a daily basis. And uh, we, spoke about, we spoke about what that means this morning and looked at Enoch as an example of that. But let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Right, I'll read up to 6, but we'll probably just get stuck into Abel at verse 4. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command... So that what was seen was not made out of what was visible. That's absolutely profound. Just take that. What does that mean? You meditate on that. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. This is this guy, Abel, we're going to talk about. This morning I spoke about Enoch. It carries on in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken because he was taken. For before, sorry, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. So he could not be found. He walked with God and then he was no more. It was like he just didn't die, just became with God after 365 years of living. We read, the, read about that this morning. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when we ask ourselves, how do I please God? What is the thing that I can do today? What is the thing I can do tomorrow? What, can, what is the thing I can do with my life to please God? The simple question is this, begin to live by faith. Begin to live in faith. In faith. And then we'll have a look at what that means. Uh, where am I here now? Without faith that he exists, that he's real, and that he's re- a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So if you want to live in faith, and you come to him, you've got to know that he's real, live like he's real. Know that he's a rewarder of those that he's generous. God is a generous God, and he rewards those who seek him. And seek him means that he wants relationship with you. So, Know that he's real. Know that he's generous and know that he wants the relationship with you. And that's what actually Enoch had to understand. And we spoke about that this morning. So, what I want to do, though, is talk about Abel. Before I get to that, I want to make a few comments about verses 1 and 2, or particularly verse 1. Because it says this now. It's saying now, meaning that it's referring back to chapter 10. And chapter 10 is talking about those, and he's saying to them, I want you to keep on persevering. Although you're being persecuted, although you're being insulted, although you're having your property confiscated, and, you, and you're joyfully having your property confiscated because you know that you have eternal possessions. And he says, he says the righteous will live by faith, and don't shrink back. And uh, he says this, and uh, don't shrink back because actually I won't be pleased with you. Now, and he's kind of, that's the context. And now he says now. Now now that we know that, now that that's the idea, we want to, we, we try to build this perseverance into the people of God, this faith that is the ability to persevere, and he says now faith is being sure of what we hope for, now faith. And what I realized this morning is that what he's actually trying to do, he's trying to tell us that there's an ingredient to our walk with God called faith that enables us to be sure of what we are hoped for. So we have hopes in God and we have dreams in God, but faith is that thing that it gives us strength and courage, as, as Carmen spoke about this evening, gives us strength and courage to be sure of what we hope for. Other words for sure are substance or foundation or title deed or guarantee. So actually he's saying faith is this, is this aspect of our lives and our walk with God that gives us the title deeds of what we hope for. Faith is this, this substance or this foundation around which we stand so that we can be sure of what we hope for. And what he's trying to do, he's not so much trying to define faith as he's trying to tell them that actually they need this ingredient, this, this part of their walk with God called faith, this, this belief, this trust, This resilient trust, I want to say. Resilient trust. It's not just a trust, it's a resilience that enables us to persevere and to never give up. Even though we know we can't see God working, we know that He's working, so we don't give up. That's what that song means. It doesn't matter, you don't give up. You keep sure of what you hope for. He's saying faith is being sure of what you hope for. He's also saying this, faith is being certain of what you do not see. Other translations say it's faith is the conviction of the unseen. It's, being, it's, being, it's the evidence of what is not seen. And so what he's saying is he's saying actually you, what I want you to do in your life, in your walk with me, is I want you to get the title deeds of what is hoped for in Christ. You've got that, don't let go of them. And, and I, want you, I want you to start to... Get this ingredient in your life that produces evidence of a God that we can't see. I was saying this morning, it must be very strange to somebody that comes into our midst and we're worshiping somebody you can't see. We're speaking to somebody we can't see. Somebody gets up and says, God spoke to me. They're like, What do you mean God spoke to you? What? Prophetic. It's like God speaking. It's, it's quite weird, like you think, what, is, what are people, imagine if you just came and you just saw us, be thinking, what are these guys doing? But if you've got faith, if you've got this ingredient that, that is the title deed, is the hope, all of a sudden your eyes are opened, your heart is opened, and something engages in the presence of God, and something engages in your relationship with God that allows you to take hold of the title deed and begin to live out the evidence of things unseen, so there's an unseen realm in which God lives by His Spirit. God is a spirit. And the way we live and the faith that we portray enables people to see evidence of that realm. So actually, one of the greatest evangelism tools of the church is an expression of our faith. Is as we f- express our faith, begin, people begin to see evidence of an unseen realm. People begin to see evidence of an unseen God. People begin to see evidence of a relationship with God that actually changes the way you think, the views, your, the way you relate to people, the way you love people, the way you receive people, the way you welcome. It just changes the way you do business, it becomes the evidence of things unseen. And so what we're trying to do here is that we are trying to get this key ingredient, this resilient trust in God this persevering faith into our hearts so that we can prepare for what God has for us in this next season, as a church and as individuals. And so what he does here, instead of giving us a definition of faith, he's trying to describe what this faith is, kind of what it means, its title deeds and its evidence. And then he says, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna tell you what I mean by this by telling you the story of people's lives. I'm going to tell you some examples of what I mean. And so he begins to tell examples of Abraham and Moses and, and and Abel and Enoch and Jacob and I mean he just goes through a whole bunch of people, different, different people, and what they did, and Noah, and and he talks about the prophets and he talks about Samson and he talks about Jephthah and he talks about David and Samuel. And he and he goes and he, he talks about all these people and he's trying to show them the kind of Resilient trust that they need to have to get through life and to get through what God has to to what God has for them. And so actually what we have in the hall of faith here is, is the story of faith. What is faith? And it's varied faith. Noah had faith to build a to be a project, to build a project. He had to go and build a boat. Moses had to have faith to leave Egypt and Pharaoh's courts, and be associated with the lowly, so that he could come back and set free people free, an ambit of faith, I believe, in terms of what God's called us to do, but when we find each other's stories, and we hear each other's stories, we begin to to see a kaleidoscope, a picture, a, a weaving of God, of what faith actually looks like. And it's not one-dimensional, it's multi-dimensional. And so we're going to look over these next few weeks at the multi-dimensional faith that God is on. Let's have a look at what these guys were commended for. Let's have a look at Abel. This is what it says about Abel. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. Okay, that's what Hebrews 11 says. But now we've got to understand what happened with Cain and Abel. So what we've got to do is we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 4. So if we can go back to Genesis chapter 4, and hopefully you've got that. uh, Shepherd, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. There's a whole story there, but we're only going to do 1 to 8. Check out that we have two, eh? This is what it says there. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of his soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Let me read that again. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the first fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. And then there's a whole story about God questioning Cain. And Cain says, hey, listen, am I my brother's keeper? He says, where's Abel? He says, listen, am I, am I my brother's keeper? Meantime, he knows that actually he's killed his brother, and there's a whole story that carries on there. But that's the backstory to Hebrews chapter, chapter 11. So when you understand that, then you can go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and then you can understand by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man. Here's this Cain and Abel story, him and his brother. His firstborn brother, who some say, that uh, some of the commentators say that Adam and Eve, when, uh, when they had him, thought that he was going to be the seed that would crush the serpent's head. And so they had huge expectation for Cain around what he was going to do because of the language and some of what they said. Uh, the way the, the language is made up, some commentators say that, so but, but they have this boy Cain, and then they have this other boy Abel, and and they go to offer worship to God. It's quite interesting there, because kind of you you automatically think, well there's atonement involved, there's blood involved, actually the better sacrifice was the blood rather than the crops. But actually the word offering there um, is a the, is the word. It's the common Hebrew word for tribute it was actually two people coming and offering the tribute to their tribute to God it was a it was an offering of gratitude and thankfulness it actually had nothing to do with whether one was blood and the other one was crops because one worked with sheep and the other one worked with with agriculture so so what does this mean Abel brought two things we're going to ask tonight the one is Abel brought a better offering and it was commended to him as righteous. What does that mean? And the second question is this. By faith, Abel still speaks even though he is still dead. What does that mean? Two, just two questions tonight. It's very powerful and actually very amazing when you begin to see what this happened here. So what, what's the story here? Why did God accept one and not the other? When you look at the commentaries, I read four or five around this, and everybody's got a different kind of take on things, but I think this is a pretty good one. Look at the way it speaks here about the way, remember I said I'm going to read it twice. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from this some of the firstborn of his flock. There seems to be a difference in the way, the motive of their hearts to the way they approach God and worship. You see, Abel, what he represents, and he gets commended as being righteous because of his faith-filled worship. And what happens is it seems in the story that Cain has these, the, the, has these crops and he brings these crops to them, to God, and he says, well, here's some of my crops. But Abel takes the firstborn and the best portions of his, of his fruitfulness, and he gives it to God. So it kind of seems like Abel is being quite, is Abel is being very specific around, actually, I'm giving you the best of who I am. I'm giving you the best of what I have. But Cain is kind of just giving him crops, just as he gave him some of his crops. Kind of Cain went through the ritualistic, kind of, well, we're just going to worship God. Whereas Abel's heart was full of faith as he did that. It was faithful worship as opposed to habitual, cultural, just run of the mill, this is what we do worship. And I want to get stuck into that tonight. Just have a look at a few things about what that means. It seems like Cain's sin or Cain's unacceptability, was tokenism. Tokenism. Come to church on a Sunday. We go home and live our lives Monday to Saturday, and the other part of Sunday, as though Sunday that we came to church didn't exist. Tokenism. Christian tokenism. As opposed to faithful worship in all of life. Quite amazing, eh? He looks religious, but in his heart, he's not totally dependent on God. He's not childlike, and he's not grateful. In fact, we see this more, I'm more convinced of this when we read in Jude 11. It says, to, it's speaking about people that are coming into the church and, and destroying people and taking people off track. He's path, because of greed, and have abandoned themselves to Balaam's error. Hence, they will certainly perish, as in Korah's rebellion. They have traveled down Cain's path because of greed. So so what it is, it's a disposition of heart that is not faith-filled in our worship to God. It's token. It's because that's what we do, and we tick the religious box on the box at home affairs. Christians. Friends, God is serious in these days about this stuff. God is serious about a heartfelt, a heart deep worship of Him that is not tokenism, that is not habitual, because that's what we do. God is God, God in these days is saying, Don't go the way of Cain. Where actually where you come, where you actually do these things for you, not for God. God is saying don't go the way, come into faith in everything that you do. Don't live in an empty religion that leads to jealousy like it did with Cain. Don't, it's not an empty religion, it's not an empty walk with God, it's a faith-filled worship of God. This I believe is what Cain teaches us. Cain has a form of godliness without power. Cain has a form. It looks like it's worship, but there's no power because there's no faith in it. It's not from his heart. It's from his habit. How do, how do you, how's your walk with God? How's our walk with God? Is it because I know God and we know we should be, or actually is there a stirring in our hearts and a, a seed in our heart that wants to germinate to greater levels of faith in our heart around our worship of God? And our relationship with Him. Where we don't just go through the motions, friends. And often what we can do, especially if we've been around for a long time, we know what we should be doing and we go through the motions, which is amazing. And it's good that you're here and it's good that we do that at some level. But God is saying that's not enough. I want to engage you at a deeper level so that faith can begin to flourish. And we can be commended and we can begin to speak a better word. Which is what happens here with Cain isn't it incredible that the first shedding of human blood is the church fighting with each other the first shedding of human blood is two brothers worshiping the same God killing each other what because one is jealous of the other because one is jealous of another's response to God But it's not fair. God always seems to come through for them. But what about me? There's a murder here because of that. He's enraged. He's enraged to the point of actually he kills his brother. God is asking us why we do what we do. There's a depth of faith in our walk with him, in our relationship with him, in our worship of him that is profoundly going to be profoundly deep in this next season. And I pray that we will all journey into more of that and take others into that with us as we go deeper and deeper. The second thing I want to talk about here is by faith, Abel speaks even though he is dead. That's what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says this, and by faith he speaks even though he is dead. I find that a fascinating statement. So the faith of, of Abel, even though he's no longer, continues to speak to us. His sacrifice of faith, his, his worship, his offering in faith continues to speak to us today, thousands and thousands of years later. And I think, imagine a church that is full of faith-filled worship and faith-filled worship, how it will continue to speak to a city and how it will continue to speak to a nation, not just now, but actually over generations. This is the kind of faith that God is wanting to unlock in our hearts, friends. So what does this worship look like? This worship What are some of the features or aspects of this worship that God wants us to to offer Him that is going to speak to generations and and speak to the city and speak to the nation? Well, first of all, it's worship that is a response to God for who He is, not who we want Him to be. It's a response to God for who He is. God is not going to change. We are. If we are not changing, friends, if we are not growing, something's not right with our walk with God. We should be being transformed into his image more and more and more and more. He is is perfect. He is not going to accommodate us. We need to accommodate him. This is the kind of worship I think Abel speaks and continues to speak of. Worship is a response of gratitude and thankfulness. It's worship that is deeply grateful, friends. It's a response to God because of what He has done and who He is. And it should be a worship that overwhelmingly comes out of a depth of gratitude and thankfulness. I think somebody said that tonight in the, in the contributions. I believe the kind of worship that God is going to take us into, that in Christ we are deeply grateful for what He's done. We're gonna have a new revelation in this faith-fueled worship moment that speaks to generations where actually we have such a gratitude for what we have in Christ. Have you thought recently, if you're if you're a believer in Jesus, of what you have in Christ? That you have eternity in your heart, that you are forgiven for every sin, past, present, and future, that you are free of guilt and shame. Have we, have we, just that we actually, if we're living in guilt and shame, we're not living in the gospel. There is a gratitude, friends, that has to come back into our hearts because of the salvation we have in Him. And if you're not in that place yet, I want to urge you to put your trust in Jesus because I tell you there's going to be a gratitude that comes to your heart that is going to profoundly change your life. In the toilet now, I went to the toilet, and as we do, men, we talk having a wee at the urinal. I was speaking to Steve Matthews. And he said, hey, Stan, I've just read this thing about Caroline Leaf and how when we operate in gratitude and thankfulness, it changes the way we bra- our brain operates and releases uh, dopamine and all sorts of things. Friends, God is wanting to release something into our brains and into our very bodies, not just into the, because of the gratitude and the thankfulness we have in worship. And God is going to bring a help, create a healthy church because of the gratitude and thankfulness that we have in Him. I feel like this is a prophetic exhortation to us as a church. It's a worship that is all in. It's a worship that is all in. All in. Not some in and some out but actually all in. It's all of our lives, all of the time, friends. It's a commitment to Him that is all in, that doesn't straddle worlds, that doesn't straddle business and church, that doesn't straddle friends and fellowship, friendship and fellowship. It doesn't straddle, it's, it's all in. God is calling His church, and God is calling His church to come into a faith that would represent this faith-fueled faith like Abel had that will speak to generations because we're all in. It's a worship that is not just all in. It's a worship of Him that is with our herds and our crops. It's amazing that our worship of Him is not just on a Sunday. It's in the business place. See, it's a worship that is not just singing songs on a Sunday, it's a worship that actually embraces all of life with our herds and as we are herding sheep and as we are producing crops, we're actually giving of we're giving the first fruits of our crops and of our herds because we know that what we have comes from Him. It's it's in all of life. It's that kind of worship. This seems to me, when I talk these things, it seems so simplistic, and it seems to be the same things we're saying over and over again. Well, I think God is saying over and over again because we've got to get it so that we're actually living it, not just hearing it. Actually living this thing out. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe? Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that our jobs can be worship and be an offering to God? I believe God, in this season of a deep worship that speaks a better word, will understand that. Worship is pure hearted. It's a worship that is pure hearted. Can understand Cain and Abel had issues. I think, right, not just then, they obviously had issues building. Friends, the issue that the, the worship that God wants to have for this next season is pure hearted. We've got to deal with our hearts. We've got to deal with our hurts. We've got to deal with our bitterness. We've got to deal with our hearts because the worship that God wants for us, is pure as best as we can. God accepts. The worship that God accepts is faith filled. not guilt filled not habit-fueled, not culture-fueled, but faith filled This is the worship of Abel that continues to speak to us. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, what is not of faith is sin. What parts of our lives are not in faith God wants to shift that into faith so that we can begin to speak to the generations and speak to the nation. You see, it's a worship that is about quality, not quantity. I've thought about this. Imagine, imagine, imagine the offering of, of a 10,000 hectares of, of crops, how massive a trailer you would need or a cart you would need to bring that to God. It's massive, it's huge, it's impressive, but there's no faith in it. Compared to a few sheep it fit in a much tighter place. It's about quality, not just quantity. God is saying, I want the depth of your relationship with me, the depth of our relationship with him, to be fueled by faith that we can actually begin to speak a better word. And this is this resilient trust in God. As we begin to do this, friends, Our resilient faith, our resilient trust, the persevering faith begins to build in our hearts and we begin to push through the challenges, barriers, and whatever stands in front of us for what God has for us into the future. It's a worship that is childlike and dependent. It's a worship that is wholehearted. It's a worship that is Christ-centered. I love this in Hebrews chapter 12. It says this, In verse 23, you have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel spoke, and it spoke judgment. The blood of Jesus speaks grace. It speaks better things. It speaks release. It speaks freedom. Friends, the worship that God is calling us, He is, what He means to us. And friends, to see that, to know what God is like, we need to know Jesus. And you read that, you find that in the Gospels. Read the Gospels. And let's begin to worship Jesus. Let's begin to put Him on the throne, His wrathful throne, as He is now Lord of all, King of all creation. Back on the throne, back in all authority, and given us a deployment, and given us an assignment to go and make the disciples of all nations of Uh, make disciples of all nations, baptizing Him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything He's taught us. This worship is Christ-centered. This worship is not just multi-generational. It's actually generational. It continues to speak. I thought about that this afternoon. The way we worship speaks to our children, speaks to our children's children. We have grandparents in this church, and their grandchildren are in this church. I tell you, those grandchildren are learning about Jesus by watching their grandparents worship and watching their parents worship. That's why we like to have our children in worship, because they need to see us worshiping. Singing the worship, the sing-song part of our worship. But friends, it's not just that church, it's all of our lives. This is a worship that is multi-generational and it's generational. It speaks to generations. I'm so excited about what God wants to do with young people. I'm so excited about what God wants to do with our children. I'm so excited about what God wants to do with all of us, friends. Because this deepening sense of God's... This, this resilient trust in God that is able to, to carry whatever we face so that we can push through into what God has, friends, is going to speak to the nation. It's going to speak to the city, and it's going to speak to, the, to, the, to our children. And lastly, this kind of worship, if we read the story, this faith-filled worship of Abel, of, of Abel may well lead to persecution. Are we prepared to worship wholeheartedly, faith-filled, even under pressure? Because he was persecuted for doing the right thing. He was murdered for doing the right thing in God. He was murdered because of his faith-filled worship. He was murdered because actually he came with all of his devotion and God accepted it. But God didn't accept Cain's. Just maybe, into the future, if we're truly going to be faith-fueled and faith-filled in this nation, actually we're going to be persecuted. And maybe. I'm not saying we are. I'm just saying maybe. But actually, a church that is healthy, a church that is in faith, a church that understands the title deeds that they have, a church that understands the evidence that they have of things unseen, a church that displays that in their lives and lives that out in their lives, actually begins to worship like Abel with an acceptable offering to God and it continues to speak to this day. Let's, over this season, as different people come and speak about different aspects, I don't know what, I, I was looking at Abel, and I really felt like I needed to speak about Abel. I'm thinking, what am I going to say about Abel? I've never really kind of unpacked it. What does that look like? And maybe there's a whole lot more in this. That's just something of what I've seen. But as every, every person comes up, they're going to talk about Moses and Noah and David. And actually what's going to happen is there's different aspects of this faith that is going to come through us that we need to take hold of and get deep into our hearts so that we can press into what God has for us next year. Friends, God is bringing significant growth to this church. God is bringing, wants to bring more health to this church so that actually there can be significant growth and influence. Not just in numbers, but in influence. Can we be a people that are growing in our faith? that are learning about a deeper sense of a walk with God and walk like Enoch and worship like Abel in this next season. I feel God's calling us into that. I think the Bible, I think God is speaking to us about that. Let's do that with all abandon, with hearts open wide as the song says, knowing that he is good, that he is the promise keeper, he is the way maker and sing that song with an absolute sense of awe as we understand more about Abel's worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Bless you. I think uh, I'm going to get Stan to pray for us in a minute, but I think this is such a significant word. The singer of all of life being worship, that it's not a religion, it's not just a Sunday moment, because we're here tonight, it's Sunday, And uh, so we're all kind of in right standing, aren't we? You know, we've all come to church. I'm speaking to the choir. But um, I thought I'd tell a quick story. I read read an article um, about this guy.